welcome everyone to yet another brand new episode of the Soccer Kaki's podcast. This time around, if you're listening to us on Spotify, nothing's really changed per se, but for all our new viewers on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook, potentially, hopefully, if I manage to sort of figure how to upload them on all these sites or platforms, um, welcome! You know, you finally see us and the mystery man that is Jack uh, has been revealed! You've seen his face, you know? So this is Jack Transu, my good friend from uh, Chapel Hill while I was studying there. Right now, he's in Tennessee, so if you want to stalk him, you know where to find him. My pro- uh, don't stalk me. <laughs> don't stalk me. <laughs> Alright, so... Before I start, you know, diving on several tangents since we are now on a face-to-face uh, session, I would want to dive straight in. Today, we're going to be talking about three things, all right? Three main things. Number one, we're going to talk about a Champions League draw. Um, there's a bit of a fiasco there with, you know, the redraw happening. We're going to be talking a little bit about that. We're also going to be analyzing, you know, which teams have it better, which teams have it worse off. Uh, so... That's going to be interesting. We're going to touch a bit about the Europa League, but we're going to end off our session today with, uh, you know, some thoughts and comments about AFF Suzuki Cup and how, you know, Southeast Asian football might move forward from this sort of uh, competition. So, I guess without further ado, Jack, let's talk about, you know, the Champions League draw, mate. What do you think about this new redraw, per se, and how do you feel (laughs) about, uh, you know, the matchups? So, I guess to start things off, you know, let's talk about uh, the first match that's going to happen, which is uh, PSG and Real Madrid. Well, I mean, depends on how you look at things, I suppose. Because at the same time, Sporting Lisbon and Man City are playing. But let's talk about the big one. Let's talk about the biggest game, uh, arguably the biggest game on that fixture list, which is you know Paris Saint-Germain against Real Madrid. Thoughts? And I think it's the one that's most tied to the whole redraw thing because Real yeah. Madrid were the most furious about the redraw because it had <laughs> nothing to do with them. <laughs> I believe Florentino Pera threatened legal action against UEFA because of it. <laughs> I have no idea what resulted from that. But if you look at the original draw, Real Madrid was supposed to play Benfica. Yep. And uh, PSG was supposed to play Man United, which yep. was supposed to be the Cristiano Ronaldo, Lionel Messi thing that I'm sure UEFA rigged to make that happen. That's sure, probably yeah. why it was redrawn. I'm kidding. Don't sue me, UEFA. <laughs> um, but if you look at, especially for Real Madrid, going from playing Benfica to playing PSG, it's it's a difference. It's yeah. notably a difference. There's a, a lot of storylines going into this that I'm sure Real Madrid don't really want to be involved in. You know, playing Lionel Messi again, the killing Mbappe thing, since he's now able to technically negotiate with Real Madrid yeah. about a transfer. Yeah. Playing Sergio Ramos again. If Sergio Ramos decides to play, which, you know, who knows? Who knows, man? It's probably the headline, at least on paper, it is the headline game of this tie. But even though they're not Benfica, I would still be feeling pretty good if I were Real Madrid. Because if there's any, if there's any big team, any of the quote-unquote big teams that people consider to be the contenders that you want to play right now, I think it's PSG. Hmm. Makes sense. I mean, I guess uh, I would disagree, and I think if it's any of the big teams that you want to play right now, it should be Manchester United because you know, you're probably going to win. But uh, I mean, I, I mean, we can get to that in a moment because we're going to talk about Man United, but. Of, there are, you know, a lot of the sort of bigger teams that are in a little bit of disorder. You can say that about Chelsea right now, too, with what Romelu Lukaku continues to say to Italian media for, for sure. you know, reasons. But 
I've at least long said this to you, and I'm now going to put my face and my voice behind this, that PSG are not a good team. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to put that out there right now. They are not a good team. And for anyone who actually watches them in Liga, you can see that this is not a well-assembled team by any stretch of the imagination whatsoever. And this is a team that I have no idea how long Neymar is injured for, but I think he's still injured. Quite a while. That is held together by Marco Verratti. And he's obviously very prone to injury. Uh, don't really have much in the way of a midfield going against Real Madrid, who might have the best midfield three in the world right now. Um, a defense that is held together by Marquinhos. True. And Keo Navas, who's massively out of form. And Mauricio Pochettino, who, again, I'm going to put my face and my voice behind this, is not a good manager right now. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> right I mean, now. Right now. He was. He was. Once upon he, a time. He definitely was at the top of but he is not doing a good job at PSG. And I think this probably will be his final year at PSG. So this is a team that if, if you're going to play one of the big teams, you want it to be PSG because they're easily the most vulnerable. Fair. Fair. I think, you know, that's, that's a fair statement if you put it in that way. So I guess, uh, you know, uh, Real Madrid PSG predictions. Who, who do you think is going to make it to the next round? And, you know, guys, for those of you who don't know, I, you know, predicted that Barcelona is going to play in the Europa League. Just saying, you know, I want to claim claim that. I want to claim that, man. Well I'll claim <laughs> well you had You had slightly more faith in Benfica than I did. Um... <laughs> I think Real Madrid's probably going to go through on aggregate like 4-1. I think it's a game that could be close in Paris, but it's a game in Madrid that I think Real Madrid are going to control for the whole 90 minutes. Okay. And especially if Benzema and Vinicius are both healthy, I don't see how how uh, PSG are able to fully stop that. Mm. So I would say it's going to be fairly comfortable for Real Madrid. Fair, fair, fair. Unless they sue UEFA and get a new opponent, and it might be easier, it might be harder. Who knows? True. I mean, I think end of the day, like uh, at least for for me, I I think it's going to be Real Madrid as well, uh, but maybe not four one, maybe three one, three two. I think it's going to be closer than we think it's going to be, only because you know. Messi is probably going to rally the boys, I think. You know, who knows? You know, anything, anything can happen. Messi might be think, in the second minute for all yeah. I think in PSG's defense, the thing that they can do that can get them through is basically do what they've done in Europe for the last two years, both under Poch and under Tuchel, which is basically park the bus and play on the counter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we could say it worked against Bayern Munich, even though they had like 30 shots in one of those games. It just so happened that they were playing those passes to Eric Maxim Schupamoting instead yep. of Robert Lewandowski. Lewandowski. Yeah. But at the end of the day, PSG have gotten to a Champions League final and a Champions League semifinal, largely off of playing on the counter through Neymar and Mbappe. And that can work against Real Madrid as well if they're able to catch them, especially playing at home in front of the Parks and Prom, which is a very good atmosphere in European football. True. They have the ability to potentially do that, but at the same time, I mean, this might be the worst PSG team in the Qatar era. I'm again putting my face and my voice behind that. <laughs> and I have a lot of evidence to point to, and I'm not the only one saying this. So I feel fairly comfortable <laughs> saying it, that this team is not good, and this team is going to go out to Real Madrid. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. All right. Okay, let's move on to the next fixture. Playing at the same time, it's Sporting Lisbon against Manchester City. 
Uh, Jack, remind me so much. Remind me who were they drawn with initially? Okay, so initially Manchester City drew against Villarreal and Sporting oh, drew wow. against Juventus. So Sporting probably think that you know they had a chance. Now they probably don't. Sporting got screwed. Yeah, they got screwed royally screwed, man. Because Juventus are not good this season. You yeah. know they've been struggling. This is this is the thing about Sporting. I said in the group stage, even though I got this prediction basically half wrong, there's a team that can do a 2018-19 IX in this team. It's it's Sporting Club because they are very well coached. Ruben Amram is very very good coach. They have a lot of very good young players in that team. Even though they lost Nuno Mensch to PSG, mm-hmm. and Cody Gonzalez just puts the ball in the back of the net at an absurd rate. But th- th- there, there's a line. And, you know, if it's on this side of the line, Sporting can knock them out. Juventus is one of those teams. I think Sporting could have knocked Juventus out. Yo. Manchester City is a completely different ball. <laughs> I don't know, man. After yesterday's game, right, if, if I was Sporting, I'll be looking at what Arsenal did to them and realize that, you know what? I probably have to call it. I have a higher quality uh, than Arsenal. I players who have better quality than the Arsenal boys. Or is that me talking out of uh, my butt, Jack? Do you think no, uh, you might be talking a little bit out of your butt? But I don't know. To, be, to be fair, I don't think that's completely far off because yeah. I think Sporting are a team that are very well organized. They're very well coached. They have a great team spirit about them. It's one of those teams that usually do damage against Manchester City in Europe. Like this is, you know, 2019-20 Leon. I was gonna um, say, yeah. I can't remember another team that's knocked them out in the past, even though they've been knocked out in the past. But these these are team they have all the makeups of being a team that can knock out a giant in Europe. It's I, just you're gonna have to do that against the best team in the world, which is a little bit of an ask. So for for for, for sporting they got, you know, royally screwed, but for Manchester City it's like, you know. I'm just I mean, one shrug your shoulder. You're gonna for City. City are a team that are expected to be in the final. So yeah. to get to the final, you're gonna have to play someone good, whether it's in the round of 16 or whether it's in the semifinal. So True. going from Villarreal, who are prop, who are probably the worst of the two teams, especially yeah. given the state that they're in right now. Although yeah. Gerard Moreno has come back from injury and dude can score for fun, but it's still a game that City should be expected to win and. The expectations wouldn't necessarily change whether it's Villarreal or whether it's Sporting Club. Yeah, I think I think that's 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 really fair. So predictions: Man City going through three uh, 0 on aggregate. Probably City going through comfortably. Okay. You know, and fair. a funny and a funny connection to it. Um, this will be sort of a mini Lisbon derby because there are three former Benfica players playing for Manchester City. Bernardo Silva, Bernardo Silva, Ruben Dias, Drakensola. Oh wow! You're right. Who are all three? Expectation players, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, renewed rivalries. <laughs> they'll, they'll be booed in Lisbon. <laughs> oh yeah, they will be booed in Lisbon. Um, but so no chance at all for Sporting. Eh? I think they have a chance. I don't think it's a high chance. They okay. definitely can do it, but you're asking a lot of them. Okay. And maybe you're sort of hoping that by the time they play, since these games are being played in February, by the time they play, City have opened up a huge gap in the Premier League and they sort of take their foot off the gas and you can catch them when they're being a little bit complacent, which is entirely possible. I mean, Leon did it to him two years ago, but it's you're asking a lot, which is a shame because I really, really would have loved sporting to go far. Well, anything can happen in football. Uh, I've seen that this past AFF was a key cup. But... Who knows, man? Who knows? Realistically, I think City are going through, right? Okay, moving on to the next game. Uh, 
Red Bull Salzburg against Bayern Munich. Thoughts? Uh, Bayern are going through easily. Fair. Who were they drawn with initially? Um, Bayern Bar Munich initially got Alekha Madrid. Oh, wow. That would have been a record. Salzburg match. initially got Liverpool. That also would have been an interesting match. Both would be, yeah, I think both would have been really interesting yeah. matchups. But I guess we got Salzburg versus Bayern. Um, no I chance. Think, of, no chance for Salzburg, I think. I think, at least for the storyline for this, it's interesting that this is the Salzburg team that finally get through the group stage. <laughs> not the one with Holland. Not the one with Earl Holland on it. No. Yeah, not the one with Holland. <laughs> but, like, obviously, there are still so many good players in this Salzburg team. But this, this, they had teams in the past that had Erling Hollands, Dominic Schalberschlei, Patson Daka, yeah. and Ian Kumwapu, and just a bunch of players that aren't there anymore, who yeah. are being phenomenal wherever they've gone. And this is, this is the team <laughs> that gets through the round of 16. <laughs> like the most successful European teams for Red Bull Salzburg were the team that got to the semifinal of the Europa League like ages ago mm-hmm. that lost to Marseille that was before Holland, Schoberschlei, Daka and those players and then this team that is after Holland, Schoberschlei, Daka and those players which looks really bad on Jesse Marsh <laughs> <laughs> you know we don't have to slander my poor American guy he was he, he's going through a rough patch right now he is right he is uh, Leipzig but um no, I, I think, think the big, mm-hmm. just to add another point, the big sort of cog that this tie turns on is where Karamadiemi is playing on February 1st. Ooh, that's actually because, a very good point. He might be leaving to... Yeah, uh, there are a lot of rumors saying he's going to Dortmund in January. And the difference between him going to Dortmund in January and going to Dortmund in the summer might be the difference between Salzburg staying in the Champions League or not. Because if the group stage showed us anything, it is through Adeyemi, everything goes for Salzburg. Interesting. Well, I mean, even or if it could be the time for football manager guy Benjamin Sheshko to become the next Erling Holland, but, you know, Yo, things I could mean, happen. Things could definitely happen, but, you know, as half of Byron's team could get injured and they could get knocked out. It's happened before. Year. I mean, yeah, exactly, right? Um, anything can happen from now until February 16 or 17, depending on uh, when these fixtures are being played. Um, I guess February 16 for you, February 17 for me, but I digress. Um, I think Bayern have, I think it'll be an interesting matchup because, you know, I don't think Salzburg are a bad team. I think Salzburg are an interesting team to watch. But, I, I mean, on paper, Bayern too strong, man. Like, yeah, it's the quality tough. of, it's yeah. tough. It's just like sporting. It's tough because they're being drawn against one of the teams that are the favorites to win this competition. Like, yeah. if Salzburg got Juventus guess, or someone I mean, like United that, I something, yeah. kind of fancy Salzburg's chances. Yeah. But, going against the team that might be the second best team in the world right now behind City debatably with Liverpool it's you're asking a lot alright fair fair alright against um, so predictions predictions for this you you think it's gonna be Bayern fairly comfortably alright fair fair I mean I, I'm not disagreeing you with you here cause I don't see a world where Salzburg are gonna go through no offense to Salzburg fans all right, next up, we have uh, Inter Milan against your favorite team in the whole wide world, Liverpool. <laughs> For those of you who do not know by now, uh, Jack is a Everton yeah, yeah, fan. A, I'm a very miserable individual. <laughs> we can move on from that. 
Uh, Everton... I will speak objectively about that awful team in red that plays on the other side of, of Stanley Park. <laughs> Everton, Everton will, will bounce back, man. Don't worry. But let's focus on uh, on the game here. So, Inter versus Liverpool. Um, I think it's an interesting matchup. Team in matchup. blue versus a team in red. Yeah, oh, team in blue versus a team in red. But I think it's an interesting matchup because we see... Uh, I honestly felt like given their financial issues and the fact that they had to sell Lukaku last season, Inter would sort of struggle this season. But, you know, aren't they topping the league in Serie A right now? Yeah, which is very, very interesting because I don't think anyone... I, I don't really think uh, both of us sort of rated them at the start of the season. Um, yes, you know, they... I thought they would be sort of thereabouts, but I didn't really think they would be... That good, right? No, exactly. Yeah. I think a lot of... The, I don't think they're... I have no stats to justify this because I haven't looked this up. I don't think they're scoring at the same rate that they were last year, obviously, because they lost Lukaku and Hakimi, who were two massive sort Major of assets, yeah. pieces in that attack. But the thing that's important is that they maintained all three pieces of the best defense in Serie A, which were Bastoni, Skriniar, and Defry. Yeah. So as long as those three players are there, Inter are going to have a chance. And as long as Nico Varela and Marcel Brozovic are there, Inter are going to have a chance. But again, you're you're playing a really good team. Yeah, you're playing Liverpool, man. You know, Klopp's Klopp's not a. I don't think Klopp. I think he's a, a pushover. You know, like he's, yeah, he's, he's going to set out his. Not. Yeah. I think this is go- This is definitely much more interesting than the previous two because it's not like Inter are a massive underdog like Sporting or Salzburg are. The Inter themselves are a very very good team, and the they team, so. can beat Liverpool and I think a lot of this is going to depend upon obviously where Liverpool are injury and form wise because you know a lot can happen between now and middle of February obviously the African Cup of Nations is going to happen true, 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 so Mama Salah and Sadio Mane are going to be away from Liverpool and I think a lot's going to depend on the mentality of where Liverpool are in the table by the time we get to the middle of February because if City keep pulling away and Liverpool's form takes a hit in January because they lose Mama Salah to AFCON they could sort of look at the table and think, okay, it's kind of a long shot for us to win the league right now. Let's go whole hog on winning Champions League. And Liverpool are one of those teams in the Champions League that you don't want to play because they're perfectly designed for the Champions, for the Champions League. League. Perfectly yeah. designed for knockout football. So, but if you get into the middle of February and they don't drop form, having lost Salah and Mane Afcon then maybe the juggling act becomes a little bit more difficult. Although, that being said, they got to a Champions League final this season that they took Man City to the wire. No, they won the Champions League this season they took Man City to the wire, excuse me. Mm-hmm. So, they have the ability to do it. It's just, but they, they can, can you keep up with those demands over and over and over again? So, I guess based on that, right, it would be a bit hard-pressed to ask you for a prediction, per se, but... Um, prediction. I mean, know. you're going to. So. Yeah, I'm going to, man. <laughs> I would say I'm not going to put like a goal number behind it, but as an aggregate score, I think it's going to be close. And I think Liverpool are going to squeeze through. I think Inter might actually. actually... As, a, as a question, can you look up yeah. where the where the first leg is being played? Is that the San Siro or is that in a field? It's actually being played in uh, San Siro. So the decider okay, Liverpool is Liverpool going through. Liverpool going through. That's all I need to know. Liverpool. Fair, fair, fair. But I, I, I. If they I, play I the second leg Anfield, they're going through because they're the devil's club and god-awful things happen in that stadium. <laughs> so I'm not going to lie, right? I've been bogged down with the AFL Suzuki Cup for the past few weeks. Are fans allowed in the stadium? Yes. For now. For now. For now. Things can change, and right? It depends on what country that you're in. 
So I think it was like a week and a half ago in France, they announced that there's 5,000 person capacity for every stadium. So PSG's home against Real Madrid is going to be in front of 5,000 people in the Parc de Prom. That's it. Yeah. Damn, bro. And then when we talk about Lille and who they're playing, their home game at Stop Here Law is going to be in front of 5,000 people. Interesting. And well, I guess... it, remains, it remains to be seen whether other leagues are going to announce Similar. capacity yeah. restrictions or if other leagues have announced capacity restrictions and I just didn't know about it. Fall, you know, Which is entirely happen. possible. Which is entirely possible, you know? Entirely possible. I guess, you know, you talk about Lille, let's dive straight into them, bro. They're going to be playing against Chelsea, which is interesting because you mentioned how in the previous draw before this redraw, this was the exact same matchup. The exact same draw. Chelsea got so lucky. <laughs> I mean, that was the big storyline coming out of the group stage was Chelsea fumbling the bag by learning probably the same lesson Napoleon did about invading Russia in the winter. Yeah. By <laughs> going away to Zenit and dropping points and meaning that Juventus won the group. So yeah. you had the reality where if Chelsea wanted to repeat to European champions, they might have to go through a Bayern Munich, um, a Manchester, no, they couldn't draw Manchester City, City, but a Bayern Munich, a Real Madrid, a team like that. And then they drew Lille, who were the surprise winners in their group. And then they had the redraw happen and they and you think, okay, Chelsea's not going to luck out again. Lille are probably the team that you want to play if you have to draw and one then... of the seeds. And then they drew Lille again, which is unfair. But you know, you know, whatever. No, I think like, mate, it's rigged, man. It's freaking rigged. Okay, they want Chelsea <laughs> to be two times champions, right? They, they want as many English teams to go through as possible, so that when they saw Chelsea fumble the bag, they're like, and, "Oh no, you know, we need to come up with Russia, something." <laughs> yeah, you, you gotta get them going. And it and it is interesting because again, like if you were to play Chelsea, obviously a lot can happen between now and February. But if you wanted to play Chelsea, now's probably the time to do it. To be honest, I mean, we just, they're not really in good form right now. True. And I mean, on top of that, I think, uh, I don't think people should, you know, discount Lil or they should sort of underestimate them. Well, yeah, there's, there's an interesting point that I'm going to add on to that, but we can get to that in a minute. Obviously talking about Chelsea, I think Angola Conte has injury issues. Or he's had injury issues in the past. Oh, no, that's he, not that's not good, man. That's yeah, not good for France. You know, he's in goal contact. <laughs> yeah, true, 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 true. Obviously, uh, what Lukaku is saying in the media, um, rumors about Andreas Christensen potentially leaving in January because he's not going to sign a new deal. Yeah. Rumors about Antonio Rudiger's new deal and whether Real Madrid are even involved in that or not, which is an incredibly interesting story for another podcast. But... Obviously, they're not putting the ball in the back of the net at the rate that they need to, whether Lukaku's in the team or not. So yeah, it sort of sure. seems like now is the time to play Chelsea. But there's so much uncertainty around Lille right now. Because no one really knows who's going to be on that team on February 1st. I think that's the biggest issue with them. Because it's basically widely accepted that almost all of Will's key players are going to leave by the end of the season. I mean, like, Jonathan David's agent basically said this is his last season in the world. And, you know, very convenient timing for Jonathan David to have his best career year, so he's going to get a nice move somewhere. But there's a lot of rumors about Sven Botman leaving in January. There's some rumors oh, no. about Renato Sanchez leaving in January. Oh, no. All these I imagine David's going to stay until the end of the season. I imagine Jonathan Bompa is going to stay until the end of the season. Jonathan Cunningham's already left. He's gone to Fiorentina. Oh. Um, Jose Font's not getting any younger. <laughs> um... <laughs> There's some rumors about Tiago Shala potentially leaving. He's been pretty, he was pretty good in the group stage. And 
there's only so much that you can do with a little team that is probably gone further than anyone really expected them to go. But even after they won the league last season, that was about sort of the cap that people thought they were going to be at. And then to get through their group stage, to win their group, even then that's massively overachieving for them. I think they've sort of hit the cap of where they can go. Now, if we get to February 1st and no one has left, that's a different story. Then maybe we can have the conversation. All right. Fair, maybe fair. we can start thinking that this is something that can, well, no one aside from Akona, he's already gone, but maybe we can have that conversation <laughs> on February 1st. It's okay. I don't, I don't think he's that good anyway. But Well, I mean, uh, here's the thing about Lille, though, and just to digress for a little bit before we move on to our next matchup. They're one of those clubs that buys well, aren't they? You know, like, they, they know how to replace players that they lose. They know how to restructure, rebuild the team. We saw that, um, you know, over the past few years. That's the reason why they won the league and championship you know, a few years back. Also due to the fact that, you know, PSG royally screwed up that season a number of times. But, you know, it's capital, capitalizing on your opponent's mistakes um, that, that makes you champions, uh, partly at least. But I think uh, the question to you then becomes, you know, just a short answer would do these time constraints. Um, who do you think they'll bring in in January? Do you think they'll bring anyone in in January to sort of plug some gaps? I think that I think it's going to greatly depend on who actually leaves in January. If no one leaves, they're not going to sign anyone. If someone leaves, if Probably. someone leaves, maybe depends Ends, because right? January yeah. is a very hard window to buy in, regardless of who you are and what your Tr- financial uh, capacity trust is. Trust me, man. Trust me. I, I experienced <laughs> Sanchez or Alexis Sanchez United. Alexis Sanchez. Well, I mean, you also have Bruno Fernandes, which is... You know, oh, that's true, that's true. That is very true. That is very but, true. I mean, I think that's sort of the thing about Lil, though. There's so much uncertainty around that team and who's actually going to be there on February 1st. So, I, I expect that they want to hang on to those players as long as they possibly can, knowing that they're fine with selling them in the summer, but only if the absolute right deal comes in January. Can they sell them? But obviously, lower team is not in a very good financial state, so you sort of have to take the money where you can get it sometimes. And they okay. have players like Ronaldo Sanchez, like um, Sven Botman, who are going to demand a lot of attention in January from a lot of different teams. We're yeah, probably going to get. And then you have you know Newcastle, who have a lot of money, who and might be looking in France for some cheap players who are going to be able to keep them up, that you who want them. to be able to get those Premier League contracts. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned potentially them. play their way into a good Premier League team and not Newcastle United. <laughs> but <laughs> yo, Newcastle might be that Premier League team that sort of becomes good, okay, with the uh, investment in the years to come, but. I was going to say, I think Jonathan David and Jonathan Bamba would be good signings for a club like Newcastle United. You know, you're right. Jonathan David is destined for sure is much, much greener than Newcastle United in the summer. But Jonathan Bamba, definitely. You think so? I mean, Jonathan David could go to Arsenal. He could go to Liverpool. He could go to... What's he going to do to Liverpool, man? Probably PSG. He's going to warm the bench in Liverpool, okay? All right, he's not going to... I mean, who do they have playing striker? Well, they don't really have a striker to begin with, right? You, you, well, I mean, did he play a system where there's no striker? I mean, Diego Jota is doing a very, very good ah, job of striker. I'm, I'm not trying to knock him at all, but... Did they have Divock Origi, the legend himself, okay? We're not talking about him. <laughs> okay. We're not talking about that, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. So, moving on to the next fixture. Villarreal against Juventus. I mean, I'm just going to say it off the park, right? I think Villarreal have a chance. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. I have no idea if Juventus are any good or not. <laughs> I, mean, I have no idea. Is Paulo Dybala going to be playing for them on February first? I have no idea. I, I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. I don't um, know. Hey, yo, I th- I think when the draw was made, I had much less hopes for Villarreal than I do now. Purely because when the draw was made, they were in such bad form. It looked like Unai Emery was going to get sacked. Uh, Well, it originally looked like Unai Emery was going to go to Newcastle, which would have done Villarreal massive favors. But now that Jared Moreno is back, and Jared Moreno means such a big deal to that team because he's so good. He he is their goal scoring. I think if Jared Moreno is there, they have a chance. And I hate to sort of boil it down to one player because it's definitely not all about one player of Villarreal. I mean, uh, I'm completely blanking on names right now. having a really good season. Arendt Dunjuma is having a very good season. Danny Parejo, it, when he's on, is on. So they have the talent there to pull European upset, especially against Juventus, who are very vulnerable. But it's they're one of those teams that they've been rocky recently. If you drew them, you fancy them on form. Yeah. yeah. If they obviously a lot can happen in a month. So if they can put it together, then they have the capability to knock Juventus out. Very much possible. In the realm of possibility. I think for Juventus, right, it's mainly just you know, trying to figure out what's wrong. I guess, you know, when Ronaldo left, everybody thought, you know, they're not gonna be so dependent on him and for a period of time, you know, when Ronaldo was sort of quote unquote struggling at night, they still is, I suppose. Um you know, they were doing not too bad, you know, not too shabby, right? You know, they were having a few wins under their belt and then everything imploded. <laughs> so I think it's just trying to find a mojo. But I think, you know, at least in Europe, they've, they have not, they've done not too shabby, you know, it's, it's, it's all right. And at least, like, since the end of October, mm. they've sort of started to figure it out in the league. Like, in the league up until Halloween, like they drew in the Derby d'Italia against Nigeria, they lost to Sesswell and they lost to uh, Hellas Verona. Yeah. yeah. And since then, like they beat Fiorentina, they beat Lazio, they got smacked around by Chelsea in the Champions League and lost to Atalanta, but you know, that's beside the point. But like they've beaten the teams that they're supposed to beat to, tr- to sort of like get a little bit of confidence under them. And we're gonna sort of know where we're actually at with Juventus going into January because they have a run of Napoli, Roma, and Inter in the Supercopa, just back to back to back. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna know where we are with Juventus by like the middle of January. But like maybe they maybe they're vulnerable, maybe they're not. Maybe Villarreal can do it, maybe they can. I think this is probably one of the most interesting matchups in practicality because I don't really think there's a clear favorite even though Juventus is the quote-unquote bigger team no fair I think uh, you know I think Juventus will still go through but I don't think it's going to be as big of a margin as people might think it would end up being so I, I would agree with that I think Unai Emery is probably going to get in his own way even though well, he's not in the Europa League, so he's not in his competition anymore. This is completely uncharted waters for him. Yeah. So, well, not completely uncharted, but you get my point. Yeah. But I, I think Villarreal can hang around with him, but I think Juventus is eventually going to pull through. I think Juventus definitely has the star power through, obviously, Dybala, Federico Chiesa, players like that. They have players who can make a difference. It's just a question of can Allegri sort of get out of his own way and allow this team to actually play. Fair. So we, we have two more matchups. Um, 
we we're probably going to talk about one more than the other in terms of duration. So let's get the one that we can sort of not say skim over, but talk lesser about, and that's Ajax versus Benfica, whom I really think are you know sort of evenly matched teams at least on paper. Uh, no, two teams. Fair enough. Fair enough. Why? Why? Why do you let say me, that? Let me. Say, I have the utmost respect for Benfica as an institution of football. They are. They come with the furniture, so to speak, when it comes to European football. They are not in a good state right now. I mean, they managed to qualify they, in a group that had Barcelona, man. They qualified in the group, yes, but, and this is a very big but, they got smacked around by Sporting. True. By Porto, and you the got, they sacked Jay, their manager you, after they got smacked, smacked around by Sporting in the cup. You, you got. You need to repeat that again, <laughs> they man. They sacked their manager because the players revolted against him. Yeah, 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 fair. Because he targeted one of their longest tenure players, Pizzi, and said, you're not training with the main team today. And then the main team said, either he's training or we're leaving. <laughs> and that is why George Jesus got sacked. <laughs> they then replaced him with their B team coach. Admittedly, their B team is top of uh, the second division in Portugal. Their B team is very good. Yep. They then went back to the drug out to play Porto again and still got smacked around. So it's... Hot. I mean, Benfica, Benfica are winning the games that they, that they should win in Portugal yeah. because they should be basically every team aside from the top two because that's just how Portugal is. And they have good players. Like, Darwin Nunez is a really, really good player. He's currently yeah. the top scorer in Portugal unless Luis Diaz scores like five goals in the next game. Uh, Rafa, I believe, is the top assister in Portugal. He's really, really good. They had Lucas Verichemel, who was maybe the best center back in Portugal, but he's out for the season. Mm-hmm. Alejandro Gamaldo is good on his day. They have some really good young players, Gachal Ramos, Paul Bernardo, but they're they're just in absolute shambles right now. <laughs> and they're going up against the human buzzsaw that is Ajax Amsterdam, who fair. played sporting off the park twice. <laughs> okay, fair. <laughs> I think fair, fair. Crap out of Benfica. <laughs> what do you call that? I I, I, I do think that, you know, uh, when I made that statement, right, I completely ignored the fact that I Ajax sort of, you know, Cruise through their group. Ajax <laughs> are superhuman. They yeah, are. They are. They are the dark horse's dark horse to win. You know, I'm going to say something that's kind of morbid, but at the same time, also funny if this ends out. It'll be really. I mean, out of all the teams to crash out to, right? It'd be funny to crash out to Benfica. Though. I'm just going to say, you know, if cause... Benfica pull this off, <laughs> whoever the coach is when Benfica, <laughs> in February, whoever Benfica's coach is, because we have no earthly idea. We don't. Yeah. Whoever Benfica's coaches, if they knock Ajax out, is going to get the permanent job. <laughs> it's going to be Ole, bro. Ole's going to get If they job. knock Ajax out, Darwin Nunez is probably going to score like five goals. And that's five high. Goals, he's yeah. going to go for 100 million euros in the summer because he's you, just an unbelievable player. Do you think player. he's going to go in the summer? Do you think it's finally time for him to, you know... Probably. He scored basically a goal every game at this point. <laughs> what a player, man. He, he almost went to Brighton in the summer. That is something that Brighton are going to be kicking themselves over. Because wow. they have definitely lost their chance at him now. Yeah, he yeah, was a player. Know. He was a player last season who you could see there was something there. You could see there's talent there, but it didn't always quite click. He often was in his head a little bit. He rushed in front of goal. He wasn't as lethal of a finisher as he needed to be. But now this season, I believe he's averaging a goal per game. 
Yeah, he's going to so, go for a lot of money. He scored twice against Barcelona. He's yeah. going to go for just an obscene amount. Right? I'm kind of, I'm kind of uh, surprised that you know someone like Wolves didn't go for him, given the uh, sort of uh, transfer record history of buying. Well, he's not Portuguese, so. so. No, but I mean, they bought Raul Jimenez. <laughs> buy, buying from Ligonos. Yeah. yeah, they bought yeah. Raul Jimenez from. Was he? Was he at Benfica? At that yeah, it was at Benfica. At that time. Yeah. 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 So like you know, it's it's it's. I I would have expected him to go there. But hey, I, I imagine Wolves are going to be going into the into the Portuguese league for <laughs> signings. But wh- whether it be Darwin Nunez or not, but well, I imagine they'll sign some Portuguese players. You know, some some Portuguese based or Portuguese players. Right? Also, I mean, Bruno Lage is their manager. He's at Benfica, even though he wasn't at Benfica when Darwin Nunez was when they signed Darwin Nunez. Yeah, so so I mean, he's probably going to raid his former club for a few 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 chats. Okay, so predictions. Do you think Ajax is going through? Hands down. Ajax very comfortably. All right, I think Ajax. They do, are. But- they are the if there's any team if there's any team outside of City Liverpool and Bayern that I don't want to play in this competition right now, it's Ajax. Ajax, right, yeah. And it's sort of an interesting dynamic because they're also in the league title race. Despite the fact that I'm not I'm gonna double check this. Please do. You're not sure who exactly they are, you know, fighting for the title against? No, I was double checking their record. I was wondering how many games they've lost this lost this season. They've only lost twice. Oh wow, yo! That's, they that's have conceded. Versus. They have conceded four league goals. <laughs> four. All right, I know people might and say you know second the PSV, which is what I mean, it's a statement. Of, it's a statement of how good PSV are and how good Manly Kodigakpo has been. But I mean, this is a terrifyingly good IX. <laughs> this might be better than the 2018-19 team, even Probably, though obviously yeah. the 2018-19 team had. The young star power and Frankie De Jong, Matas so, Delix. Wait, so you need like to that. you need to remind my ignorant ass here. Who's your keeper right now? It's not Andre Onana. So who is it? It is not Andre Onana. Yeah, he's likely going to answer. It is Remco Pazbir. Interesting. Who was at Vitesse? I want to say last season. How old is it? He team? was. He's like thirty-eight, I think. <laughs> yeah, he's he. He's like he has taken the mantle of what Cluster Hontelar was in 2019 and 2018-19. Yes. Cluster Hontelar, I think, was like in his mid to late 30s around that time yeah, as well. Yeah, but it's because it, it's sort of interesting because if you look at both those teams, their average ages are about the same. Yeah, because it sort of balances out. Because in this team, it's mostly front loaded with older players like uh, Howard Tadic, um, David Clausen, players like that who are in the starting eleven. But then there's a lot of younger players on the bench. Who obviously Brian Brobby is coming back, um, Kenneth Ket- Taylor, players like that who are capable of playing in the first team, but obviously are still fairly young. But then the 2018 19 team, the starting 11 was very young because of, you know, uh, Delix, De Jong, Van de Beek, players like that, but had older players on the bench like Culture Nontal. Yeah. So it's, it's a very interesting dynamic. This team's terrifying. Good. They're, they have the potential to win the Champions League. Fair, I think you know, uh, spot on with that sort of uh, assessment. Just that, I don't know, man. I feel like I oh. have to go through, but I think I not they as the last time. Just to check. Yes, who did they draw? So Benfica obviously got Real Madrid. We talked about that. At the top. Ajax got uh, Ajax got no, no, uh, Inter. Oh, that would have been an interesting match. That would have been fun. That would have been a really <laughs> fun match. Very fun. That would have been a fun match. That would have been a fun match. But that I would guess. have felt a lot like what. Um, Monaco Manchester City was maybe not to that extreme degree but, from the year Monaco made their run to the semi-final but not to that extreme degree but yeah I felt like what that could have been a very open sort of free-flowing game 
Well, I mean, well, I guess, we got this instead. Yeah, I mean, which is fine. Which is fine, you know. I, I end of the day, I think that's fine. Um, let's talk about the big game, the big one. Not because of uh, the stature of both teams, which is quite humongous. Let's be honest. You're talking about Manchester United as Atletico Madrid, two of the biggest teams in Europe, but mainly because of the redraw. <laughs> Because of the redraw. It's yes. because of the redraw. You know, that's 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 what's gonna sort of uh, be the main focus of this match. You know, this match is the redrawn match. You know, the match that forced the damn redraw of the group stages. Well, partially forced the redraw. There are multiple issues that I figured out that caused the redraw. I thought it was just one. So it was initially. So part of the issue was that um, Manchester United were included. Were let me double check this. I think they were included in... Manchester United were not included as a team that could be drawn against LA Madrid initially, even though they could be. So the Champions League has, I believe it's a new rule this year where you're not allowed to draw, be drawn in the round of 16 against a team from your own country. So like United couldn't draw against Chelsea or Liverpool or something Wasn't like that, that always a rule? Uh, I have no idea. It was always a rule. <laughs> it probably could have been. I have no idea. Yeah. Because I thought a few years ago when City played Liverpool, that was in the round of 16. This semifinals but... or quarterfinals. Something. No, it definitely wasn't the semifinals, but uh, whatever. And whatever. Whatever. But uh, one of the problems was that Man United were not included in the teams that could play like Madrid, and then Man United were included in the teams that could play Villarreal. You know, Villarreal were in their group. So, you know, Ooh. UEFA. Someone screwed up big time, man. Bureaucracy, red tape. Someone lost their job. Essentially, you know, we're talking about, you know, the balls, right? It's like the balls. No, it's, it's done through um computer. No one uses How the balls they... anymore? Well, I, uh, how they calculate who goes in. Oh, sorry, my bad. Yeah, drawn, is done through computer algorithm. So, they they do have the old pe- the old people in the former players whisk their hand around the you <laughs> know the, the the punch the bowl. Old people, the little Champions League balls. <laughs> Did you just say the old I mean, people? Tell me that's not what they do. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Okay, it's true. They get some old legend to come back. You know, some sometimes it's someone obscure that we've never heard in our lifetime. But hey, you know power to them my point is um so uh the redraw was was it was a controversial uh well i guess it was momentous because has it happened before i have no idea i, I have no idea i don't I think never, so right? i never no, really I paid full attention to that not i, mean, I have memory, very little right? faith in uefa but yeah i at least thought up to this point that they could pull off a simple draw simply because this is a competition that's happened every single year for and they screwed you know, up bro they, they screwed up someone screwed up 60 years so <laughs> i mean it was obviously much different 60 years ago than it is now it wasn't ever a group to knock out stage competition until like the 90s but oh he's frozen oh yeah you're frozen back yeah okay cool so okay. let's talk about the actual match then Manchester United is Atletico Madrid. United were probably, uh, I guess, you know, thinking about playing a much tougher opponent in PSG. Then the redraw happened. You know, they were saying, I mean, if I was United at that point, right, I would probably be counting my blessings for the redraw. And then I get drawn with Atletico Madrid and I would have been probably kicking myself and be saying, bro. <laughs> I mean, I think you can generally debate whether you would rather play PSG or I like Madrid. PSG. Both teams, yeah, but both teams are fairly vulnerable right now. You think so? 
but admittedly also Manchester United is very vulnerable. So problem, right? I've I've said a lot that you know if you're going to play this team, now's the time to do it. You can say that about both Manchester United and like Madrid. It's which you know sort of makes this really interesting. Anyone is getting point of thinking. Yeah, it's it's interesting in so so many different ways. Not only because of that, but. It's like a clash of mentality. Ralph Raniak is, you know, the father of gig pressing. He's staked an entire career off of this intense counterattacking, fly up the pitch football that built, you know, the Red Bull clubs. He's going up against Diego Simeone, who is, you know, the god of the four four two defend. Even though that's not necessarily really how I like Madrid play. They, yeah. Lot, especially last season when they won the league, but it's obviously Cristiano Ronaldo going up against Atletico Madrid, who. You know, they have history. Yeah, you know, <laughs> things have happened between Cristiano Ronaldo and LA Madrid. Very true. Very things true. that LA Madrid fans do not want to talk about. <laughs> I mean, David De Gea returned to his old club, but no one's going to remember David that. David returned to his old club. Um, I can't Kieran, think of. Kieran Trippier uh, playing against uh, his English teammates. <laughs> well, that is a storyline. Yeah. Will Kieran Trippier be there on February 1st? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe he'll be in Newcastle. Oh. It looks like he might be in Newcastle, that is which really, is a big deal. It is a big deal. It is a big deal. Um, but who do they have at right back right now? Zati. I mean, they've played Marcus Llorente there. I can't huh? remember who they... I can't remember... I think they have Shima Vizhalko still. I can't remember who they played when Kieran Trippier was um, suspended last year. I think it was Shima Vizhalko. Or it could have been... Marcus Rente, I have no idea, but it's it's it would be a very large absence because especially last season, Kieran Trippier is one of their most important players, and Kieran Trippier was arguably the best right back in La Liga last season. Yeah, I mean, so I while think... it would be significantly helpful for Atletico Madrid's wage budget and for their financial issues, especially if they were to get a nice feedback from Newcastle, um, it, it would be it would be an absence on the pitch. And especially for an Atletico Madrid team that's already very vulnerable defensively, almost uncharacteristically vulnerable defensively this season, losing an important piece of that defense might be a massive deal. Yeah. Especially when you're going against Cristiano Ronaldo. Especially when you're going against CR7. Okay, predictions. Who do you think is going to go through? Uh, I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to go to many. United. This is the battle of which teams can step on their own feet less, and I think Man United is going to step on their own feet less. So that also depends on who we bring in during the January transfer window. If we link to a- or if they, or you know, does Ranić finally get these players to train past 5 p.m., or <laughs> you know, can he get his men get you know the mentality and the tactics fully into this team? Can he get them scoring goals? Can he get Ronaldo in form consistently? Does he have to sit solely rely on Ronaldo basically being like the bull seeing red? Yeah, uh, going up against like Madrid. But there's also a lot of questions about can Diego Simeone get LA like Madrid, you know, consistently creating a lot of chances? Can he get Antoine Griezmann consistently playing well? Can he get anything out of Joao Felix? Will Joao Felix even be there on February 1st? Um, is the midfield going to be competent enough? Are they going to sign a defensive midfielder in January? Do they have the money to sign a defensive midfielder in January? Who is their back line going to be in this game? So is Murray Jimenez going to be fit? Is Yano Black going to be back to the world? There are so many questions that you can ask about both of these teams. 
and I'm going with Manchester United simply because they have the less pressing issues. Well, I mean, I'm going with Manchester United partly because you know they're my team, but also because I think that um, I'm optimistic that by February first, I don't think they will have everything figured out by then, but. I think they'd be more cohesive as a unit. Maybe we'll get rid of some of the players who don't really want to be there, and uh, potentially have a more harmonious side under Raul's uh, stewardship per se. So, actually, more than I think about it, the more I think that actually this redraw helps Man United. Do you think so? And this is why. So, obviously, like Madrid have you know, all their issues. Manchester United have all their issues. I think if they played PSG, PSG are obviously team with a lot of issues. I have said that they're not that good. But the thing that PSG could do that, ha- that could happen be successful in Europe is do what they did the last few years, park the bus and counter. Yeah, you know, and they, they at least it. have the capability to park the bus because they have, at least when he's on form, a choice between Keller Navas or Gigi Donnarumma. They have Marquinhos, who might be the best center back in the world right now. Yeah, They have at least a fairly competent defense. And then... They have a midfield who can at least occupy space and win the ball back. <laughs> Players like Marco Verratti, Leandro Paredes, who have the ability to be defensive, and that's how they got through against Bayern Munich. That's how they got through in this sort of mini-COVID Champions League. And they have the ability to just basically play out balls killing Mbappe and Neymar. And killing Mbappe running at Harry Maguire would terrify me if I was Manchester United fan. <laughs> Well, Even I mean, with Rafael around there, running at that defense that has not been that good, even under Ralph Ranić, that yeah. Alan Saint-Maximin looked like killing Mbappe. To <laughs> 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 be completely honest, you you what do you call it? You had yeah. to compare Saint-Maximin with freaking Mbappe, didn't you? But I mean, you're right. You know, you're talking about PC players against a very slow defense. No, no disrespect to the defense. They're they're at least much more well drilled at that absorb pressure and counterattack, and they have obviously the players that can do that at a world-class level because you know Kylian Mbappe is maybe the fastest player in the world Neymar is unbelievable Messi in space even though he's not been good for PSG in space is a very deadly player Anthony Murray Murray is a very deadly player in space and you don't necessarily really get that with LA Comdred I mean Joe Felix on his day is very good Tom Solar on his day is very good but Luis Suarez isn't that quick Tom Solar isn't that quick Joe Felix speaking of Luis Suarez you know we forgot about that whole drama he had United years back so I mean we can sort of oh yeah he, yeah, he, he he's gonna get booed Old Trafford probably 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 but no I mean I guess to your point you know, you're right against a less um, swift I would say uh, Atletico Madrid side you know they don't really pack the pace that uh, PSG probably do and I think that's gonna help uh against United. Yeah. And that's going to help United against them, rather. Um, I would think that both of these teams aren't going to be teams that are going to go that far in this competition. Okay. Unless, obviously, this next month can change a lot for Manchester United, which it can potentially. Probably. But this is such an interesting matchup because of their problems. And that's why I think it's going to be really close. Even I think- though I don't think either of these teams are really going to be you know, there and wherever the final is this year. I can't even remember. At the end of the day, I think it will still be interesting let's see uh, what transpires I guess on in the weeks to come